0: Rebecca, in part one, you told us about your own story of how you came uh, to nature and eco justice um, through your grandmother's story. Uh, Would you now connect this with your engagement with Wendell Berry?
1: Wendell's work brings me back to that, you know, like to that, those values, um, and, and goes further, like he's such an intensely, uh, poignant philosopher, <laughs> yeah. um, which he denies, of course, but, um, he, the, the other essay from him that has been so eye-opening and so important to me, um, was his little little essay called Two Economies. Yeah. Um, And he lays out these principles of the, the the great economy, which um, the great economy, that phrase came out of a conversation he had with Wes Jackson, where Mm -hmm. they were saying, well, you know, what, what is, you know, what is the most fundamental thing that we need to take account of? And they both came to the phrase, the kingdom of God, because they're they're Christian men. Right. And, um, so in this little essay, Barry says, well, what do I really mean sort of in secular terms about the, that uh, the kingdom of God, what is it really? And he said, it's the great economy. It's the fundamental system of exchanges and production that is this planet, right? Mm -hmm. That is life itself. Um, And then he lays out what the principles are that govern it um, Mm. and what our responsibilities should be in by understanding those principles. Yeah. Yeah. And so those principles have become kind of the foundational principles for a pedagogy of responsibility, because Uh if you understand what governs the, both the complex generative nature of this planet and its limits <laughs> and our limits in relation to it, you begin to see sort of an outline of the particular um, sorts of virtues that we need to develop. Yeah. Um, yeah. Right. That who who we need to become uh, and how we need to educate others to become. Mm-hmm. Um, well, so, I w- I mean, yeah.
2: Well, I'm wondering if I could get you to read a piece of your diary um, book. Or oh gosh, there's so book
1: much. Book. I still don't know what to read. Um, <laughs> yeah, there, there's,
2: um, there's a lot there, but it's. Um, I think the interweaving of, of your voice with Wendell's and your story with his
1: uh, is is really useful. Um, hmm. Well, I'll read from the last page of the first um, chapter, the introduction. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really know where to start, but I'll start sort of from the, because it ends in a poem um, by Wendell that I love. So, And there's another poem by Wendell that's much more recent that I also want to read um, because mm-hmm. I think it captures this contradictory thing that we're kind of talking about. Okay. Um, You can't talk about Wendell Berry
2: without having some of his poetry present.
1: No kidding. (laughs) Uh, Okay. Um, So this this is kind of long. I hope it's okay if I just read this page. All right. Um, So we ask with Berry as our guide, what sorts of knowledge are needed by members of communities in the specific ecological and cultural localities where they dwell. What sorts of economic relationships would be appropriate in those places? What would decision-making practices look like if the principles of the great economy guided their responsibilities to each other and the earth? With our students, we are learning to ask, what does a good human economy in a healthy, in a healthy that is whole, community look like? What does it require of us? In short, what is education for? To be so committed does not mean that we must rely only on institutions to do the teaching and certainly not the government to tell us how to do it, or where, or when. Indeed, as Barry adamantly insists throughout his work, and as we will discuss throughout this book, institutions created by the state to support a globalizing, extractive economic system are often the worst places to imagine such possibilities. And yet schools are where our children and their teachers are for hours each day, 10 months of the year or more. Thus, as teacher educators, we are faced with a critical opportunity and responsibility. We honor the teachers in schools or universities who, in spite of the political and curricular limitations they are constrained by, engage such responsibility with their students and in their day-to-day lives. We work with educators across the U.S., Canada, Finland, Jamaica, Australia, Central Asia, and other places, who in a variety of contexts are seriously committed to challenging the industrial complexes and supporting ideologies, Oh, sorry, my phone is ringing, Um, sorry, Um, and supporting ideologies currently destroying our communities. We will tell their stories here as often as possible, but we also acknowledge that teachers everywhere are under tremendous pressure to do as state mandates connected to corporate interests bid them to do. So I'll just skip down. Um, Eco-justice education offers a way out of that dilemma and toward a strong community of support. We choose love in the form of active, collective responsibility and meaningful work as an antidote for despair and exhaustion. Hmm. Let us find strength in the gift of creation and in the recognition that the economic and political systems we have now are disastrous for all life. We offer this book as a commitment to engage with others in this essential care for the planet as our only home. Let let our work together, our pedagogical relationships, and ethical commitments be the light we need to guide us out of darkness, a source of courage and hope to those going forward. And here's a poem by Barry. He says, It is hard to have hope. It is harder as you grow old, for hope must not depend on feeling good. And there is the dream of loneliness at absolute midnight. You also have withdrawn belief in the present reality of the future, which surely will surprise us. And hope is harder when it cannot come by prediction any more than by wishing. But stop dithering. The young ask the old to hope. What will you tell them? Tell them at least what you say to yourself. Because we have not made our lives to fit our places, the forests are ruined, the fields eroded, the streams polluted, the mountains overturned. Hope then to belong to your place by your own knowledge of what it is that no other place is and by your caring for it as you care for no other place. This knowledge cannot be taken from you by power or by wealth. It will stop your ears to the powerful when they ask for your faith and to the wealthy when they ask for your land and your work. Be still and listen to the voices that belong to the stream banks and the trees and the open fields. Find your hope, then, on the ground under your feet, your hope of heaven. Let it rest on the ground underfoot. The world is no better than its places. Its places at last are no better than their people while their people continue in them. When the people make dark, the light within them, the world darkens. Oh, thank you for that. <laughs> oh, yeah. kind of. Oh. Whenever I read him, I just get chills. Like I, my body just starts to hum. <laughs> so yeah. just, yeah. He's so brilliant the way he can capture mm-hmm. all of that so I, yeah. I mean just to follow up a bit about this it's one of the things that um has drawn me to Wendell Berry and continues to draw me to him is his commitment to love I mean, he's he's uh-huh. he's trying to um to define for himself and for us what constitutes love yeah. um, and what our responsibility is to it. How do we, and, and, and that it's the only answer, mm-hmm. right? But it's not a simple answer yeah. <laughs> in, in, in any way. Um, yeah. So, ah, uh, yeah.
2: Yeah. Just, and he's following, you know, a lot of, um, Spiritual paths there and from Gandhi to Martin Luther King, and, and yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: Yes, so
2: I'd, li- I'd like to, to move toward uh back towards your classroom and teacher mm-hmm. education mm-hmm. A bit now, um, and how you see all of this informing and uh inspiring your own uh journey in the classroom, uh, together with your students who are, um, I'm assuming, are going to be. Future teachers.
1: Some of them are. Some of them are teachers already and some of them are uh, community activists um, okay. or they work in different um, sort of uh, social welfare fields. Like I have nurses and social workers. and um, um, So the courses that I teach are um, developed sort of structured um, according to those three pieces of what an eco-justice education requires of us. Okay. And so the readings that I choose kind of um, engage students in those three practices. Mm-hmm. Uh, and pedagogically, um, I work fairly conceptually and Uh, also relationally. Right. So uh, what I do is basically offer students readings that um, introduce them to what a cultural, ecological analysis means. Um, Mm -hmm. What are discourses of modernity? How are we captured by them? And then we talk. Um, I say, so, you know, I walk into the classroom, basically, and they've read. And I say, all right, so this week you read about um, discourses of modernity. What are they? Mm-hmm. What do they mean? What, what do you make of them? How do they intersect with each other? Who are we in relation to those? And their, uh, their uh, like budding unpacking of those questions uh, become very powerful. Mm-hmm. They cry, um, okay. they rage, um, and they begin to see the world differently. They come into my class and they say, I just heard this this week. I know I've seen this on TV before, but it never occurred to me that blah, blah, blah. Before having this concept or before having thought about how these things work, I I never recognized the damages being done by blah blah, or <laughs> or so the importance of yeah. Excuse me.
2: Conscientization.
1: Yeah, uh, it is that, but it's yes, it, it, it um it is that. So in that sense, this practice um, intersects with freire, mm-hmm. but it also um I think where it may differ is mm-hmm. that. I ask them to recognize their own complicitness. Yeah. As white women. Yeah. Uh, or whatever, you know, I mean, or as black men and women. Um, you know, like, how is it that we are made in this culture? And me, too. So I tell stories about how. Um, the huge errors I've made in my own life because of this, mm-hmm. right? And, and also my own points of um, struggle around it. And that it's not, you know, it's not something that is, when you see it, it you suddenly get rid of your own complicitness. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right? <Yeah. laughs> that you're yeah. in it, you're of it, you're, uh, you have to constantly think about mm-hmm. your own language and the languaging process that works through us. Constantly. Yeah. Um, which is also a point of real frustration for them because as teachers or people working in the community, they, they think, well, then how do we get out of it? Are we just mm. only trapped, right? Yeah. It, which, of course, I have to say, no, we're not only trapped. These are fictions. And we can create different narratives. And we have to create different narratives. Um, so, you know, I mean, at heart, I'm a Foucauldian. I believe that we are created through very, very powerful discursive processes that are ultimately fictions, um, yeah. no matter what, no matter if even good narratives, what we would consider better narratives are still our attempts to tell stories about our place in the world that we mm-hmm. create, right, and that we're created by. So, but we need better stories um, and we need better uh, healthier recognitions of who we are as humans on this planet so uh, you know and so yeah, and that's also part of um, asking my students to consider what else they know right mm-hmm. what other what other practices and relationships do they recognize as as good mm-hmm. um, and you know what did they learn as children about food? Uh, what did they learn um, about, you know, what games did they play? How did they learn? What manners did they learn as children? What did You know, what did their mom teach them about? What does it mean to be polite? You know, even things like that, which they look at me like, that's hmm. not as important as. And I'm like, really? Yeah. Like, those are the rules that are really ancient that govern how we are with each other. Right, so those are very, very local, but they also are based on very important principles. Mm-hmm. And so then we try to talk about what are the other principles. I introduce them to the great economy, and you know mm-hmm. that it goes beyond our relationships with our friends and family and coworkers, and has to go to how we recognize our relationship with the rest of the living planet and what limits that understanding and all of that so yeah yeah, so i think i mean stylistically like my pedagogical my classroom style is very Mm -hmm. um, uh, conversational but i also insist that they read Mm -hmm. they have to be introduced to um important concepts and theoretical uh, arguments and then we unpack those and then we try to, you know, use them like to Mm -hmm. understand ourselves. And I, like I said, I have, I have mostly women, um, Hmm. and, uh, they're mostly white and they begin to really unpack their lives.
2: yeah.
1: Um, and so that especially the students who come to me, it, like I teach a course called sociology of education, but I totally teach it framed by eco justice, mm-hmm. you know, theory, yeah. um, which isn't normal for the way sociology mm-hmm. of education is taught, but I don't care. I think, you know, I've got them and, this is about social life and social relations and they need to hear about this model. So I mean when we do it, it's just like I have this group this semester and they are I see them changing hmm. and right in front of my my eyes. You know, they they come to class and they're they're like, Oh my gosh, I didn't have words for this before. I I now can say, you know, wow. But but of course, then they're like, but what do we do in our classrooms? Like, how do we do this? Yeah. And my response is always, um, there's no recipe, but there are principles Mm -hmm. that should be guiding who you are with your students and what you recognize as urgent and, and, um, needed and the kinds of questions that you pose to them and um, how you go about interpreting the curriculum that you're given by the state, right? <laughs> like, how do you see those standards now? Yeah. Um, wh- you know, can you now recognize what they're, <coughs> what mindset they're coming out of and what will you do uh, about that? So I have a a master's student right now who's getting ready to write her final thesis. And she teaches economics um, to high school students. And so she's beginning to uh, critique and lay out an alternative approach to teaching the standards that are given to her for the economics curriculum. And it's fascinating I, to to see her like insights now about what she's what those standards are based on, right? What what assumptions about the world and about an economy and <laughs> um, this is you know watching <laughs> with sort of engaging with um, my students who are many of them whom are our teachers uh, begin to shift how they think about their responsibilities as teachers and how, and to see them empowered to do something different, like to approach their own classrooms um, mm-hmm. differently, even though, even within the limits and in that increasingly limited um options that they have right but to see them creating ways of um, shifting their own students teaching it's that's like the best part of my life (laughs) my work Mm -hmm. i I love that so much and i have another young master student who teaches math and when she first came to me she's she was like yeah but i teach math how am i you know and i said well here's a question like what is math for
2: right
1: how how can you teach mathematical principles um, and even, you know, the mathematical systems in a way that offers your students a different way of thinking. So yeah, she wrote this gorgeous piece for me in the fall where she's asking how, about the cost of the unsettling of America. So she's going, you know, that Barry's famous, probably one of his most landmark books was the Unsettling of America. And it's been re, reprinted now four times, I think. Yeah. Um, and so they read pieces of it. And, and so she's asking, how could I teach math in such a way where students are actually asked to calculate the cost mm. Of settler colonialism, for example, or the cost of, you know, this industrial system. Um, Did she do anything with Robert Moses' algebra project in this? No, I don't think Hmm. so. I'm Um, making
2: a connection there.
1: Um, um, That would be interesting. I should ask her uh, if she knows about that. Yeah.
2: Um, and then uh, I love the Rethinking Schools book, Rethinking Mathematics. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's a great. I've taught from that, too, especially for students who are mathematician who teach math and go, I don't know how to connect eco justice with math. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but so, yeah. so your goal is in a kind of eco
2: literacy that is grounded in the self and in the and then the stories uh, and relationships uh, But
1: beyond eco you know uh, if we or, or only the the better response is only if we understand eco as um, that we're embedded in the eco right mm-hmm. so that there's not a there's not a disk there's no real disconnection between human mm-hmm. social relations and ecological um, relations that we are in yeah. and of the ego. Yeah. Which I think is a primary difference between this um approach to teaching and and Freire. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know, and I, I, I'm I'm cautious um around talking about those differences in in part because you know Chet Bowers had such horrible um uh, such polemic, polemical and angry reactions to Frary and Frarians and had all these fights right. over and over and over and over and over again. And, um, yeah, you know, because I worked so closely with him for like at least eight years, um, I got caught in those, um, angry. Oh, interactions.
2: I saw, you know, Peter McLaurin.
1: Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs>
2: Yeah, yeah, that's exactly it.
1: Yeah, while well, I was editor of Ed Studies, you know, I had yeah. this call round with with Peter McLaren. Anyway, um and David Greenwood and um, mm-hmm. anyhow. So, I I like I don't have the same um um fierce opposition mm-hmm. to critical pedagogy. I think there's a lot about it that's that's exactly right on and I think there are Um, some important limits um, that don't often get dealt with because um, it's Freire has become such an icon and hero you know it's very hard to critique Freire without getting killed (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah so I mean we have to do it gently and carefully and and also while embracing what's been very important um, And he can't be
2: part of the conversation anymore, of course. And I think he would offer a lot of this um, in some surprising ways. uh. Yeah,
1: yeah, because he was a brilliant man, right? I mean, so, of course, and a highly sensitive man. And I must say that Mm -hmm. reading Frary as a young uh, undergrad, before I entered my PhD program, Mm -hmm. um, he was a huge inspiration for me. And um, I, you know, I read a pedagogy of the oppressed as a senior and at Cortland State, and along with Irish shores, um, you know, first book, uh, and, um, and along with other like bulls and gintas about capitalism and inequality. And so all of those things were were inspirations. Um, You know, so I know that, you know, he's part of my roots. Um, yeah, but then you know, reading powerful ecofeminists and yeah, uh, and thinking about the how the process of languaging constructs our own um, mm-hmm. way of being in the world. It constructs being, you know. It's <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So anyway, I mean, that's that's how I I. I You know, try to um, engage the Frarian eco justice, the Frarian Bowers conflict.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that's that's useful. Well, um, we're we're getting close to time and I wanted to to ask you to um, imagine the future a bit. you know, what does is, what is all this mean for your for your classroom and, and for your students as you go forward and and kind of what's on the horizon? What new new things are you reading that are uh, influencing, you know, the direction you're going in?
1: Well, um, <laughs> first of all, I'm retiring um, oh, from God. Eastern, not, not from the work, but definitely <laughs> from. The institution, which I'm so excited about, because we haven't really gotten to talk about the neoliberalization of the university. Oh, that's but, right. Yeah, but that's a huge reason why I'm leaving early. I just I've had it. I've had it with the whole marketization of mm. of research and knowing and education. It's just a horrible turn. Yeah, horrible, horrible. And I've loved my career as a professor, but this last five, maybe even ten years, is just just been really difficult so anyway I'm leaving the university um but I'm not leaving the work and how how I actually continue to engage um it's, it's a bit of a mystery still but um I do have a, a wonderful opportunity at the University of Tampere in Finland where I had a full bride and I have really terrific um colleagues and students. Um, I I was awarded a docent position at that university. So it gives me basically um, sort of official affiliation and and, um, hopefully opportunities to teach and and Mm -hmm. bring my current students there and so on. So that hopefully will continue. Um, and it helps a lot to be in conversation with international scholars who are also brilliant philosophers of education and eco philosophers and so on. And yeah, a um, different setting entirely. Yes. In a to- but, but in a setting that's rapidly becoming neoliberalized. Oh, is, oh, yeah.
2: It's very, very. Um, Could you define for the listeners uh, how you how you see um, higher education becoming neoliberalized?
1: Yeah, um, it's the narrowing of what is valued to what can be marketed, what can be sold, Mm -hmm. and how knowledge should um, serve the market. Right? So instead, so that means that technology, some of the sciences Mm -hmm. um, are being Given dominant positions in the university and the humanities in particular Mm -hmm. philosophy and history are being More and more and more pushed out pushed to the margins or completely out Um, Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's the politics of knowledge, right? I mean so if knowledge is only there to serve profit-making economic processes then what of knowledge for well-being right yeah. <laughs> and yeah. we know profit-making industrial corporatized money-making processes are d- damaging the world and so then what is the university for really you know yeah. it, what should it be for yeah. only serving corporate interests that's what it's moving toward mm-hmm. so the privatization of everything And our on our campus um Uh, online education is being, you know, uh, outsourced to another company. It's being privatized and our parking is privatized. Our food services are privatized. The housing is starting to become private. I mean, it's just, yeah, it's very, very, uh, depressing. Um, all in the name of, you know, improving the university, which is of course a crock. Um, and you know, I'm very lucky that, uh, I, I work on a campus that's unionized, um, mm-hmm. so the union has been fighting tooth and nail, but it's very, very hard, and it's a strong union too. It's a, it has a long history, and it's a strong union. Mm-hmm. So, um, but anyway, it's, it's still um, like faculty decision making is not really decision making with faculty. It's only faculty input, which can then be disregarded and. It yeah. is being disregarded, so it's demoralizing in many, many ways. Yeah, and so, exhausting because we have to fight, 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 fight for what we think is ethically sound, right? And, mm-hmm. and then still lose. <laughs> yeah. So back to degraded bodies, degraded work.
2: Yeah. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Well, is there anything else you wanna wanna tell us about um, your work and your vision for? What's next? Um, you said you had a poem to read. We could close with that. Ah, well, let
1: me see. Um, it's, I have it in here um, in two pieces. So I just need to find both pieces. It's from uh, my chapter, The Bonds of Love. Mm-hmm. And let me make sure I have the whole thing.
2: Um, if you know I have the book here, If you know, I have book. it. into.
1: I have it. I just okay. okay It starts on page 49 of the bonds of love and I, I separate it into two um, oh, Parts okay. in this chapter because it deals kind of with two different um, Sides of this struggle that we're in. Okay, this is from um, uh, a, a Fairly recent little chapbook um, published in 2015. I think it's called It might be called Sabbaths. Yes. Okay. The old dog with her gray muzzle and I with my fringe of white hair please ourselves by nearness to the fire inside while outside the birds answer their calling to stay alive. We all now have fewer days than we had yesterday, but it comes to me that I know at last how all of us are held in the union, the communion, the assembly, the great membership of this world's life that comprehends its numberless becomings and farewells. In the kingdom of God, all who ever lived are living. Can okay, I skip? <clears throat> Only we humans, we the poor, suffer the ancient mistake dividing the living from the dead, confusing life with time. We divide life from death. For the purpose of killing each other, killing ourselves, or we confuse living bodies with machines, the truly dead, to increase happiness and create wealth. Hell fills the difference. The wrens, searching the brush for this day's food, rightly give not a thought to death, singing as they live and move the longest song. The kingdom of God is life itself.
2: Thank you so much, Rebecca (laughs) Mardisapp. You're welcome. For being on, on the podcast today. It was lovely talking with you. And thank you for sharing Wendell with us.
1: Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. Thanks so much for having me.
0: Been listening to Nothing Never Happens, the Radical Pedagogy podcast. Our theme music and interstitial music is by Lance Eric Hagen, performed with Lance Eric Hagen and Aviva and the Flying Penguins. Audio engineers are China Wilson and Reagan Turner. Our closing music was written by Paul Myrie and Mike Shelton. It's called Written. It was published recently in 2019 and is available on ReverbNation.com.